You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Now, uh, a new series, Connecting the Dots. We are connecting the dots because is it me or does life sometimes feel a little bit like this? Has anyone ever seen one of these uh, diagrams, the connect the dot diagrams? I had to do these all the time in school in year five. You would uh, take all these little bits of puzzles. This was an alphabetical connect the dot diagram. And to me, sometimes life just feels a bit like this. I mean, we're, we're constantly trying to connect the dots. There are, there are multiple choices that we can make. There are multiple uh, steps that we can take. And the big question is, how do you know which is the next dot in life that you've got to go to? I mean, has anyone here asked, oh God, what is your will for my life? Possible. <laughs> uh, the question is, uh, are, are you asking that one or two ways? Are you asking that because you want to please him? Or is it because often when I ask him that question, it's because what I'm really asking is, God, how do I connect the dots? How do I live my life in such a way that it's not some jumbled mess, but it, it, it manifests itself in a wonderful pattern at the end of the day? And so we're, we're asking him because you and I both know that making the right decision, that's only half the problem. The, the, the real deep question underneath it at all is how do you make the right decision when there are multiple right decisions to be made? We, fight, we face multiple right decisions all the time. Who do I marry? Do I get married? Which university do, do I go to? Do I stay? Do I move? Do I take the operation or do I stay on the medication? And there we have it. You're feeling the need for it. What we don't need necessarily is knowledge. What we need is wisdom. The book of Proverbs is full of it. It's the wisdom literature. We're after wisdom. And now the question is, why a series on wisdom and why from the young guy? Because we know the young bucks, they don't have wisdom yet. They're, uh, they're always running off in every direction. You've got to get a good dose of it if you're one of the wise in church. And we do have amazing wise people in church. But wouldn't you agree that, you know, ironically, you know, people have that statement where they say on one hand, oh, they are wise beyond their years. You could have a 25-year-old that is saying things to you as a 65-year-old. They're thinking, how did that come out of their mouth? And then at the same time, too, you can have a bunch of 65-year-olds that are not living life in the wisest of ways, right? You can have 45, 55-year-olds doing that, buying Harley Davidsons and buying all sorts of interesting, they call it what, midlife crisis type stuff, right? Oh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that that wisdom is not automatic with age, but it is attainable. Remember Proverbs 3, we'll see that next week, says, though it might cost you everything you have, get it, get wisdom. So what the Bible tells us is uh, wisdom is not, it's not linearly related to age, and, but it is attainable. And so that's why we're looking at it, because look, at least from my perspective, I want wisdom. I want the pattern of my life to pan out as God intended it to be. It's the easy way to live. But here's the thing for us as a church in this season as we continue to move towards discerning God's vision for this place. Is what we really need right now vision? Or could it be that what we need as a church first is wisdom? As the revelation God gave me, is that as we are thinking about God's vision for this place, there are going to be multiple right decisions for us to make as a church. 
And what do you do? How do you make the right decision when there are multiple right decisions? Church, we need wisdom. We need wisdom first before we head towards the vision piece in these coming months and this coming year. And so that's the roadmap of where we're going for the next four weeks. We're going to look at connecting the dots. It's going to be real simple. We're going to look at what is wisdom this morning. Then we're going to look at how do you get wisdom. And then we're going to look at what's the source of wisdom. And then in week four, we're going to look at how do you apply that to life. But this morning, it's real simple. We're just going to look at what is wisdom. Three things. Let's look at its significance. Why do you need wisdom? It's substance. So what is wisdom? Let's get a definition around that. And then the start of wisdom. Where do you begin? Let's give you something to go home with. So here you go. Why do you need it? What is it? Where do we start? Uh, The significance of wisdom. Verse 10. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing you desire can compare with her. What it's saying here is that wisdom is greater than any wealth in the world. That is that fame and fortune and fun are nowhere near as big in significance as the ability to flourish in any of life's circumstances, right? And you see that practically because uh, lots of, there are lots of people with fun and fame and fortune and their lives are messed up. People like Madonna or the people like Iggy Azalea, the rapper, the Australian girl that's over there. They're all sorts of interesting people that got the fame and the fortune and the fun and life is crazy for them. And then at the same time, we've seen pictures of the poor and the downtrodden and those that don't have the fame and the fortune and the fun and there's a resolve about them, there's a wonder about them. And so that, that's why we see the significance of wisdom. What's the difference between these people? Wisdom. <laughs> And here's another reason that you need it. You'll discover, if you haven't already, and I'm discovering as I get a little bit older, you'll discover the frequency of complexity in your life. The frequency of complexity in life. Many of the decisions that we have in life in order to be made well only need knowledge. You know, you're deciding on the right car or the right medicine or the right street to go down. It's just a right or wrong. It's a binary decision, right? Right or wrong, right or wrong. And yet... 90% of life's decisions aren't right or wrong decisions, right? <laughs> Who do I marry? Do I get married? Do I stay? Do I go? Do I say something? Do I just stay quiet? Should I comfort? Should I scold? Should I receive? Should I put back? Has anyone ever felt those tensions? What you're coming to realize is that the, the decisions that you are staring at in life, you are looking at like the red and the green wires on a bomb. And is, these decisions are just this jumbled mess. And you're thinking, I read in the book somewhere that, I don't know, you're suppo- am I supposed to cut yellow here or green? Or And you recognize how dangerous some of the smallest decisions in right because you're realizing that the right rule, yellow or green, Applied in the wrong context could explode in your face and it could explode in your friends' faces. <laughs> you see, because what we're understanding is that the rules, the black and white, being good, just being a good person doesn't help you in 90% of life situations. The rules don't apply to 90% of life situations. Life is messy, life is complex and knowledge is not enough. And so here's the thing, could it be... Could it be that some of you this morning are feeling sick to the stomach with your life situation? Not for a lack of knowledge, but because you're starting to realize, I don't have the wisdom 
to make the right decision when there are multiple right decisions ahead of me. You lack wisdom to address the situation. How do we get it? How do we get it? Let's look at what it is here. Here's the definition I come up with this morning. The substance of wisdom. Here it is. Wisdom is simply being competent with the complex realities of life. Wisdom is being competent with the complex realities of life. That means you read the patterns of life insightfully, what we'll see, and then also we'll see that you bring the patterns of life correctly into context. It's in verse 14 here. That's where I got it from. I don't have wisdom. I'm just getting it from this thing. (laughs) Uh, Counsel and sound judgment of mind. I have insight and power, says the word. So the first thing we see here is that wisdom is to have insight into the realities of life. Insight into the realities of life. The, word, the Hebrew word here is binar. It means to know how things are, to know how things work. I had a, I had a binar moment once as a little toddler. You see, I love the flickering flames on our oil heater in the lounge room. And uh, I used to get my sister's Barbie dolls and I used to, used to press it into the glass of the oil heater and make a funny, nice burning smell. And that wasn't good enough for me, so I decided I, I was going to have a binar moment. And so I went along and I, I pulled up my little singlet and got up to the glass on the oil heater and I touched my stomach against the heater. That was a binar moment. I suddenly understood how reality really was. Hot. Little Zach, you... <laughs> was that a wise decision? No. Why? Because I was out of touch with the realities of life. Flames mean heat. So first step is you have to have an insight into the realities of life. You need insight to have wisdom. But it's not only that. Wisdom is the ability to bring these realities of life into context. Verse 15, that's where I'm getting this one from now. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are right. They're ruling now rightly because they're now bringing all of these complexities into decrees that are right and good. And so wisdom is not only having the insight, but it's the ability to apply it into the right context. Let's keep the analogy going is fire a bad thing no not necessarily it's bad if you're a toddler and you're sticking your stomach against it but what if you're stuck in a snow cave and you're on the edge of hypothermia and all that you've got left is a little bit of water and a pocket of matches is fire a bad thing of course not you see, same, same decision, same thing, same insight applied into two different contexts. And to know whether to push your stomach against it or to light a match and huddle near it is the difference of understanding now the combination of insight and the right complex. Are you with me? So wisdom is not just having the insight, but it's the ability to apply it, apply it up into the context. Let, let me sum up the two principles here. The insight. Insight is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in fruit salad. (laughs) Wisdom's being competent with the complex realities of life. Now, how do I get that? How do I get that? Well, that's what you're going to have to join us next week for as we move into how do I get wisdom. I'll give you a little bit of a teaser. We're only just about half and a little bit way through. Look, let's give us something 
to start with at least? You know, is it, is it all just trial and error in life? And of course, yeah, there's some aspect of that. That's why older people, I love our older generation. They are often wiser by default because they've had the experiences of life. But you can begin to garner wisdom better than the person next to you in two quick ways. You pay attention and you're open to it. You pay attention and you're open to it. Here's the first thing. You pay attention to the patterns of life. What do you mean the patterns of life? Here, verse 22. It says, The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from all of eternity, from the beginning before the world began. When there were no no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs, I was there with the water. The mountains were settled in place. Before the hills, I was given birth. Now, it seems a bit abstract here. But here we have wisdom personified in this poetry piece here, saying that I was with God when he created the world. And so what this really is, it's a reflection of a creation account. And what's fascinating about this is that a lot of the Eastern creation accounts, when you look back through all the, all the commentators say, Eastern creation accounts, they're all about this matter, this world's all an illusion and you've got to escape the illusion. And then on the other hand, the Western accounts like the Greeks and the Romans, we see it in all the Hollywood movies these days, creation all came because the gods are fighting with each other and, and suddenly everything came into existence out, out of a power struggle. And yet this is totally different. This is totally different. This is saying uh, it, it's not, life's not an illusion and, and matter didn't come out of some power struggle, that life came out of wisdom. And what it, what it means by wisdom, it's saying that God has set set patterns and realities to the world there is a set plan and a pattern and a reality to the world if the world's come out of wisdom there's a plan and a pattern to it now it uh, looks like i'm not being overly spiritual here uh, we see them practically all the time here's the point if i decided to jump off a roof whether it be in the united states australia or china i'm pretty sure my feet are going to hurt because there is, a, there is a complex pattern there is a, that is universal that God has set into his creation. It's called gravity. And, and you can either go with it or you can go against it. And to go against it in the wrong way is to hurt yourself. Let me put it another way. The wings of an eagle might be shaped by feathers. And the wings of a Qantas A380 might be shaped by forged metal. But the two things still fly. How is that? It's not because of what they're made up of it's because they conform to the realities and the patterns of God's creation that if a wing whether it's feathers or whether it's metal has a certain shape and it goes at a certain speed there'll be lift and there's there's set patterns into the creation and so what this means let's get let's get grounded in it that the Bible teaches us that God has not only placed physical patterns in place in the universe but he's placed relational patterns and he's placed spiritual patterns into his creation. And that the principle is this, that if God has so designed the universe, that if you cut across the physical patterns, if you jump off a roof and cut across that, you crash, then wouldn't it stand to reason that if you cut across his relational and his spiritual patterns, then you'll crash also? Classic example, you know, why does the Bible tell you to forgive people? Well, because God wants to set up a rule. God understands that if you want to live in, in, in unforgiveness, it'll harbor bitterness and anger and resentment, and you're just going to crash your own soul. 
If, if you move into every relationship and you lie in every relationship you have, there is a relational reality that has been set up in place that if that is the basis for every relationship you have, those relationships will crash. The same way if the wings of the A380 were bought, bent out of shape. Are you seeing this? You see, foolishness, foolishness, the opposite of wisdom, is not a lack of intellect. It's not stupidity. Foolishness is going against the weave of the patterns that God has placed in life, into his creation. And so you've got to pay attention to how these things work, to his word, to how he describes it. You've got to understand that there are patterns. And here's another way that you can start with wisdom. You not only pay attention, but you stay open to it. The Bible says foolishness is, has nothing to do with intellect. You can have smart fools and wise dummies. Nothing to do with intellect. Wisdom and foolishness, according to the Bible, is what you do with your intellect, no matter how big or small. And here's what it's got to do with wisdom. The Bible tells us that foolishness is a proud willfulness that keeps us from understanding God's realities of life. A proud willfulness that stops us from looking at that. Like, Have you, have you ever met people that are extremely wise in some areas and not in others? It's the Big Bang Theory principle. You know that TV show? Those, those guys are, they are extremely wise scientifically. They understand the complex realities of science, but they are relational babies. <laughs> you, you see that you, you can be extremely wise in a particular area and have no wisdom in the others of life. And so being open to wisdom means this, that it's actually your job this morning to look at your own heart and say, if I have trouble believing in God, and if I have trouble receiving feedback, and if I have trouble hearing from others, and if I have trouble being open, then maybe my issues here are not just intellectual, but it's something deeper. It reminds me of the wonderful scene. One of my favourite movies called What About Bob? There's this great guy called uh, Bob. <laughs> and Bob's got a few, dis- a few psychological disorders. He's a multiphobic personality. He's obsessive compulsive. He thinks he has Tourette's syndromes. He struggles walking down the street. And he just goes from psychologist to psychologist to psychologist. And none of them can seem to heal him. And so he baby steps himself all the way down into the street, into the office of uh, Richard Dreyfus, Dr. Leo Marvin. And there's this wonderful scene in which Bob is telling him all about his problems and how crazy he is and he's lying down on the floor and he's faking heart attacks and he's going crazy. Dr. Leo Marvin says, are you married, Bob? And he says, no, I'm divorced. Tell me about that, Bob, says Dr. Leo Marvin. And Bob says to him, well, doctor, there are two types of people in this world, those who like Neil Diamond and those who don't. And my ex-wife loves him. Dr. Marvin says, so I I see, Bob, what what you're saying is that even though you're an almost paralysed, multiphobic personality who's in a constant state of panic, your wife didn't leave you, you left her because she liked Neil Diamond? (laughs) Bob goes, ow, ow, ow. (laughs) He says, Doc, what you're saying, it it could be me, that that she left me? See, he was finally opened to some wisdom. And anyone before they're a Christian is a kind of Bob Wiley, right? 
Anyone who's before they're a Christian, they're kind of a Bob Wiley. You know, we walk around and we say there are two types of people in the world, those who believe in God and those who don't. And we come into this place called church and we sit down on the lounge. You hear a preacher say, what you mean to tell me is that you are one of a couple of billion people on a planet, which is one of 12, which is rotating around this big thing called the sun, which is millions of miles away, which it in of itself is one of another billion stars in this universe. And that your brain power and your frame of reference is a nine volt battery to the nuclear power station that is God. And you're saying that you've worked all this out? You're saying that you've determined that whether there is or isn't a God? You know what a Christian is? A Christian is at that time that spiritually they go, Ow. Oh, oh, ow. You mean a... You mean it could be me? You've got, to, you've got to be open. You've got to be open to the wisdom of God. Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, once said, If someone is able to show me, what, uh, show me that what I think or do is not right, I will happily change. For I seek the truth by which no one has, was ever truly harmed. It is a person who continues in their self-deception and ignorance who is harmed. You've got to stay open. Whether you're 35, whether you're 85, that's how we begin with wisdom. Wisdom starts when you're open to the fact that you and I are our own greatest barrier to getting wisdom. And so that's how wisdom starts. You pay attention and you stay open. Open to what? Let's finish here with this. Verse 22 onwards. The Lord brings me forth. I was formed long ages ago. In the beginning where there were no oceans, I was given birth. Where there were no springs abounding. This is wisdom talking. And what's the basic point of this passage here? It's wisdom personified. Look at the phrasing. The Lord brought me forth. It's me. It's we. It's I. It's wisdom talking about itself. It's a weird way to think, but it's a concrete way to think. Wisdom saying, I was here. Now, the question is, why would the poem be written like this? And some people might say, oh, that's just it's a bit of poetry. There's a bit of literary device in the Bible, which it technically is. But here's the question. What if it wasn't a device? What if it's not just a poetic device? What if, if the wisdom of God really was a person that you could know and love? And that if you knew and loved that person, that relationship in itself would make you wise. You see, because as I was reading through this, it suddenly hit me. This sounds like something I've read before in a latter part of the Bible. I don't know if some of you have picked this up. I was formed long ago. I was there in the beginning. I was there with him when he set the heavens in place. Is anyone picking where I'm heading with this? There's this wonderful verse in one of the greatest chapters ever written in literary history that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything from and through Him was created. And then it says, And the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory, we saw it. And what is fascinating is when you look at the word there for the Greek word for word, it actually means logos, it means reason, it means wisdom. And suddenly I reread that passage this week and I went, in the beginning was the wisdom and the wisdom was with God and the wisdom was God and from wisdom all things were created and the wisdom became flesh and we saw him and we beheld his glory and he taught us and he lived with us and he died for us and we went out telling the world about that and the world was changed because of this wisdom and suddenly I thought, what if wisdom really was a person? Wisdom is a person. 
That is what is wonderful about the wisdom of God. Wisdom is not some abstraction or principle. Can't you see? It's a person. It's a counselor. It's a guide. It's the ultimate sage. It's Jesus Christ. And when you come under him, your life is going to be rearranged and reformed into the eagle wing that it's meant to be. Friend, could it be possible that some of the pains and the hurts in your life is because you're cutting across the grains of God's reality? When he says, come to me, all of you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you. What he's saying is, let me conform you to the realities of this world so you can fly in the currents. That's what happens when you give your life to Jesus Christ. And so here's what it means spiritually. Christian, is Jesus Christ where you're starting for your wisdom this week? Have you, have you, have you started there? Non-Christian, man, I am glad that you're with us this morning if you're here. I always say thank you, thank you for putting up with me for 20 minutes. If you're not a believer, if you're not being conformed by him this morning, can... I guess you're probably asking, how might I become a Christian? Here's how you know how you'll become a Christian. You, you become a Christian when you start feeling like Bob Wiley. Ow. Ow. <laughs> you'll know. God will start stirring your heart in that seat this morning. You know that you've been saying to yourself, there are two types of the people in the world, those that believe in God and those that don't, those that have faith and those that don't, and yet you're here. Come to him. Come to the only one that is wisdom personified. Friend, what are, you, what are you facing this morning? A move of house? A change of job? A financial decision? A child that's out of control? A new relationship? A troubled relationship? I can't give you a rule for it. The Bible can't give you a rule for it. Because the rules don't apply in 90% of life situations. What you and I need this morning is wisdom. Wisdom. Come to him. Come to Jesus Christ. Wisdom personified. Let's pray.